Today on Lockdown Red Wings, ranking the top 10 Red Wings prospects. Your Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I'm the I'm a podcast producer for the Daily J, a WWJ News Radio podcast. Well, Scotty's host over at Locked On Tigers, as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. And on today's episode, guys, we're going to kind of take a look at the Red Wings prospect pool and try and decide, you know, who is very arbitrarily, really, uh, but trying to decide who are the top ten prospects in the Red Wings systems as of right now. And uh, that's pretty much. It there's not a lot of nuance to this. We're just gonna take a look and see where these guys fit in terms, and like we'll talk about like where their ceilings are. But you know, we're gonna try and do ten guys between the two of us in thirty minutes, so we're gonna have to go pretty fast at it. Um, Scotty, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean it's um it's something that everybody a loves doing. Uh, like I mean all the time ever like it doesn't matter how good of an organization you are how poor of an organization you are how good the nhl product is how bad the nhl product is everybody loves them some good prospect rankings um and yeah it's also you know doing it at this time of year specifically i think is good timing because by the end of the month we're going to start having conversations about prospect camp and um i mean honestly just training camp in general but uh, like the the young kids are gonna are, are gonna we're gonna see them on the ice before anybody else. So it's it's kind of cool to kind of get this out there uh, at, at at this point rather than uh, rather than I don't know doing like it mid season or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, without further ado, I guess we should start with number one here. Um, we didn't discuss ahead of time like who our rankings were. So yeah, I'm interested Scotty, in who you have at the top because well, I was gonna throw to you to see sure. who you had at the top first. Yeah, well, I, I think for me, it's one of two people, but I, I really think that it's, I don't want to say interchangeable, but like I very much understand the argument for either. Um, my one is still Simon Edvinson. Uh, I mean, that's, I, I think when you're talking about A, like intangible like physical attributes. I, I mean, Edvinson is pretty much unmatched within this entire organization. Uh, in, in my opinion, I guess like maybe Soderblom <laughs> because he's huge. But like uh, if, if you're talking about, you know, like intangible uh, like uh, abilities and athletic abilities, uh, he, he's pretty much at the top of that list. And when you look at, uh, I mean, positional fit is like kind of a thing, but mostly uh, I'm just looking at ceiling. And I think when you're looking at the rest of this organization, uh, he's the, I don't want to say the only prospect. We certainly have others that can continue to grow, but I think that he is the highest percent chance of any prospect to be a top line, top pair, like, et cetera, you know, like a, a first line, no matter the position type of player. Yeah. And I, I, one, I completely agree with you. He was my, on number one on my list as well. And, you know, for all the same reasons you said, and I think it helps too that we've actually already seen him at the yeah. NHL level. Like he's one of those prospects who's almost ready to graduate from prospect tier into like just NHL guy. Um, he's still obviously, you know, he's going to come back from injury here early in the season. We're going to get an opportunity to see him when he, after I'm sure he's going to have like a rehab stint in Grand Rapids. Once they decide he's like better than somebody on the current NHL roster, they'll slide him up or too good for Grand Rapids. They'll slide him up. And I mean, we saw him in nine games last year. 
he was all right. You know, he he looked like he was there's flashes. a lot that you saw flashes. Like there was still room to grow there for him for sure, but he was like on the cusp of being like full time NHL ready. Uh, in Grand Rapids, he was really good. He had 27 points in 52 games played, which points don't really 27 points for him in 52 games is pretty good because he's not like a point getting defenseman. He's a defensive yeah. defenseman first, and he just is a big guy. And he has, like you said, I think top pair talent um, in in him. And I think it's going to be tough for him to crack that top pair with the chemistry Cider and Wallman have. But I don't think there's anything bad about having a top pair talent guy on your second line because that's just called depth. Correct. Um, <laughs> but correct. So, I mean, we're in agreement on that. I love Simon Edmondson. I love what he's going to bring. Just a big body, physical body, defensive defenseman who can get you probably, hopefully, 30 to 40 points a season, which is pretty good from the back end. That'd be amazing. Now, from there, I think it kind of opens up a little bit after number one. Um, and this is, for me, I always get touchy with rankings, <clears throat> with prospect rankings, because it's tough to, like, rank guys who you haven't seen yet mm-hmm. like so obviously there's going to be an urge to want to rank like axel sandin palika and um nate danielson high because they were both top 20 top 10 top 20 draft picks in this most recent draft but they haven't had like time in the system yet to you know uh grow or show their stuff meanwhile we've seen a year of marco casper right. we saw an nhl game of marco casper so I think for me, while Nate Danielson was a number nine pick and Axel Sundin Pelico was a 17 pick, it's Marco Casper at number two for me because he's a guy who, again, is on that cusp of graduating the NHL le- or AHL level. Uh, he was, I don't even think he's played an AHL game yet, but yeah. he's played professional hockey over in Sweden. He came over here and immediately made the jump to NHL, and he looked pretty comfortable in that one game before the injury happened. And he's just going to be a really good top six center, probably ceiling of number two C, but like, Plays both sides of the ice. It's pretty good playmaking. Underrated hands. If you ask Steve Eisman, he's good defensively. I think he's number two prospect for sure in the Red Wings system currently. Yeah, I don't even think this is a debate. I, I think I think the debate is who is one, not who. Like the difference between two and three, I don't think is debatable. I think it's the difference between one and two that's debatable. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I I think it's pretty cut and dry. Edvinson and Casper are the two best prospects in this organization. And not to say that, like, there isn't a lot of talent. This is one of the better prospect pools in the NHL. But, like, I, I, I think that after you get past that top two is where I, – I don't think it's a debate. I, I, I completely agree with you. I think he's kind of, like, on an island at two. If, like, if we're in agreement that Edvinson's won, then we, there is no debate for what he is at two. And, yeah, as far as, you know, the, the type of player, obviously, like you said, you know, like, really – high potential to be a really solid two-way forward but um like this is again a dude that I, I think a lot of people think has the ceiling of being like a second line center on a like playoff caliber hockey team uh down the road and and that's super exciting because we already have I mean currently we have we're under the impression that we have three solid centers uh going into this season so uh it's it's really exciting that there's you know like top six center potential uh, kind of waiting in the wings to get added to that as well. Something that has been very much a weakness organizationally for years now. Uh, hopefully when Casper reaches, uh, solidifies himself at the NHL level, can maybe flip that around and, and turn center into a, a little bit of a deeper position. So here's my question for you before we move on to three. 
because at some point this question will be asked and posed. Are we are we or are we not considering Jonathan Bergeron a prospect? He played 67 games. He had a full-fledged rookie season with the Detroit Red Wings. And he's so I, pretty much a go lock to make the roster next season, in my opinion. I yeah, I agree. I am not. I, okay. I think that uh if you're if, if you're rookie eligible, then you're not a prospect to me. And that's why I think Edvinson and Casper are still in this conversation and Edvinson isn't. You mean Bergeron isn't? Sorry, Edvinson. Yes, <laughs> Bergeron isn't. <laughs> I just wanted to make that clear before right. we, we, we got no, down with 10. Question. People were like, where's Bergeron? He's played 67 games, so he's going into a sophomore season now. It's, in yeah. our eyes, that's not a prospect anymore. Prospect is somebody who didn't really – yeah, like you said, prospect is somebody who has a rookie-eligible season right. ahead of them. Correct. Um, if they were to make the NHL roster. So then from there, Scotty, we're at in the nine minute mark. Should we just go to a quick break so we don't get yeah. caught? Or do you think we got time for one more? No, no, let's do it. Cause I think that this is where the discussion, honestly, kind of the floodgates open. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to do uh, however many we get to before break three, <laughs> by the end of the episode, you're going to have 10 guys on this list. So, but first got to talk to you guys today about athletic greens. This next part, this next partner, AG one is the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. You got to drink AG1 every day because it is foundational nutrition su supplement that delivers comprehensive nutrients to support whole body health. AG1 replaces your multivitamin, probiotic, and more in one simple drinkable habit. Science-driven formulation of vitamins, probiotics, and whole food sourced superfoods. AG1 is raising the standard for quality in the supplement category, and it helps you build your health foundation first. If a comprehensive solution to is what you need, from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash NHL Network. That's AG1. That's drinkag1.com slash NHL Network. So check it out. Segment two, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Scotty and I are trying to rank the top 10 prospects in the Red Wings system right now. Number one was Simon Edmondson. And number two was Marco Casper. And now we're getting into the three through 10 category. I went first with two. So it's your turn, Scotty, to go first with number three, who you think number three is. And this is where we might start having a little bit of discrepancies. Should we I have agree. Yeah, like, lists or should we like talk it through on each one? No, I think we should. I think we should talk it through because if we're the same, then it's quicker still. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I think, like I said before, break. Like I, I think this is where the debate really starts. I, I think pretty comfortably those guys are the top two. For me, number three is now Nate Danielson, and I, and I think that uh, when looking at not just like where he was drafted, but uh, the the overall player, like you you have. I mean, we'll talk. Like there's still talent. You you have players behind him that still have the potential to be very, very impactful players at the NHL level. But uh, when you're talking about the expectations for someone like Nate Danielson, I think they are for him to, again, like this is going to sound very familiar, but to be a really solid two-way uh, kind of like jack-of-all-trades forward at the NHL level. And, and I think that that gives him – a, a little bit of a higher floor, which is like also a, a very important conversation when talking about prospects, but in the same breath, a ceiling that is rather similar in my eyes to Casper. The only difference is we've seen Casper play a lot already at this point at the professional level. We have not really gotten a good look at Danielson whatsoever, and that's why I think it's still comfortably Casper ahead of him, but 
when I'm talking about the potential ceiling for both of them, I think they're like rather similar. No, I, I again, right, right there with you. Nate Danielson was going to be my number three as well. And you got to talk a lot too about, you know, positional value too. defense, yeah. defense and center are highly valuable positions. So it's no surprise that defense was one and then center center was, it was right there. And I agree that Danielson has a very similar ceiling to Marco Casper as in like, he can be a two C probably at the NHL level. Like that's probably his ceiling and they play very, I mean, they're not, their games aren't one for one, but you know, they're both touted as being two way centers. I mean, he's Connor Bedard endorsed as one of the toughest players he played against right. in the OHL, which is phenomenal to hear. Um, but the he had 78 points with the Brandon Wheat Kings. He was their captain this last year and he was over a point per game. Like he's a good player and he's going to be a good player. And I think the main reason, and plus he's a right-handed center, which is really nice too. But I think that, like you said, and I agree with you, the main reason why Marco Casper is ahead of Danielson is because Marco Casper has a year on Danielson. Right. He has a year on Danielson and he has played professional hockey already. Whereas Danielson's only played juniors so far. Casper is playing SHL hockey over in Sweden. Like that's, that's professional hockey through and through. That's a tough, tough league to play in. And he played well. So I think Danielson three. And also, I mean, like, again, like I go back to my main point where it's hard to rank guys who were just drafted, you know, but this was a top 10 pick, you know, the expectations are high for Nate Danielson. Uh, yeah, so I absolutely. think breaking him third in the organization, especially because again, value position at center, high value position. I think that's perfectly reasonable. I don't think we'll get a lot of pushback on that. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> speak for yourself, yeah. but yeah, <laughs> I, I do. I, I, I agree. I, I think that um, when, when, especially when we start talking about the people kind of behind him and, and, and who's left, I think that uh, a guy who, like you said, was a top 10 pick and, and has the ability to be a center long-term is definitely, I think we've, we, I bias, but I think we've spotted him well. Yes, I, I agree. Uh, so from there, I guess it's my turn to go first again. Number four in the right wing system. Uh, this is where it's going to get a little bit tough because I have two guys in my mind that I like to put at four. And that's whether or not I defer to a first round pick. Uh, they're both first round picks. It just depends on what year you're looking at. This is tough because I'm between Axel Sandin Pelica and Sebastian Kosa for my number four. Interesting. The reason why I hesitate with Kosa is because he, while he, he performed fantastically at the ECHL and he has a really high ceiling as a number one goalie, he's still years away. And I'm trying to decide whether or not I should be like, that should be a factor as to whether or not he should be higher on my list because he still has a really high ceiling. That would put him up. But like, is him being years away going to push him down? Because Axel Sandin Pelica, like 17th overall, he's going to be a super good offensive style defenseman. Like there's no... He, he's probably a second pair defenseman, not like a top line defenseman as a ceiling. So I'm between those two guys. And I, I'm going to defer to Pelica for right now, because I think that I guess in the end, I'm going to say that Kosa's development tenure is going to push him a little bit down on the list, but not far so much far down. He's not gonna be like eight or nine guys. He's still going to be probably top five for me. Spoiler alert. But <laughs> I just think cause Pelica can be here sooner than Kosa in my eyes and have an impact sooner than Kosa because goalie development is so weird. I think his ceiling is number one goalie in this league, but who knows when we'll actually get to see it. He's got to now perform at the AHL level first, which I guess you could say the same thing about Pelica too, but they're like neck and neck in my mind, but I'll go with Pelica as my number four. So yeah, it, uh, you know, the, the road to Detroit is definitely a conversation. I, I think that, I mean, like how long do you expect Pelica to take? Because 
like Kosa, yes, like it, you know, goalies take a long time, but like to your point, he's going to be in the A this year and he's already a few years into it. Like if you're looking at total body of work, obviously Kosa by the end of the road, assuming Pelika is, is lives up to expectations, is going to have spent a lot more time not in the NHL before he gets there. But like if you're looking right now, like Kosa's already a couple years into this thing, like I don't know. I I don't think it's ridiculous to say that uh, they may have from here on out somewhat similar timelines. I don't think that's like a preposterous statement. No, that's a good point because Pelica still, you know, he has to sign his ELC, come over to North America. Whereas they're probably both. You're, you got you make a good point. They're probably both about two years away. I think. Right. That's was um, in my head too. That's because what I you, you look at Huso's contract and you think that the idea was. In, in if in a perfect world that Costa takes over full time starting when Huso's contract expires, I mean they only signed Reimer for one year. Lions got a two year contract, so you have, you do think that maybe their timeline at this point is the same. You bring up a really good point, but I think I'm still going to defer to Pelica at this point, um, for no other reason than like I flipped the coin in my head. They're neck and neck in sure. my mind. Yeah, well I, I'll I'll take Costa then, and and really the uh, the the only difference for me is I, I think that Kosa inherently being a goalie has the lower floor of maybe everybody we've talked about so far you know as far as far as like worst case scenario what he ends up being goes just because goalies are so weird right and, and so difficult to predict so like I, I I will openly admit that right like he he probably has the lowest floor maybe on this entire list, who even knows. But if you're talking about ceiling in the same breath, I think there's a legitimate argument that he has the highest ceiling of anybody here because I think he has the ability to be a bona fide, like not even 1A, like the starting goalie for the Detroit Red Wings when they're good, you know, for a, a long time. And so, so uh, it, it's it's – the, definitely like uh, that's not really risk at this point because like he's already here the draft pick was two years ago but like there there's definitely I think it's actually two years ago today I'm pretty sure that memory came up on my phone um <laughs> but uh of no one and I at the draft party but um I nothing I think, was said right I think that <laughs> with Kosa like you're just talking about a a like I don't want to say comfortably because it's definitely not a guarantee, but like if you're just talking about ceiling, I think he has one of, if not the highest in this organization. And so even though it's not certainly far from guaranteed that he will reach that, um, I, I think I'm going to kind of default to a ceiling when it's a close call. Yeah. And so we're, just, we're like trying to work this out between us, right? We're trying to come up with one definitive list. Yeah. And if you're going with Kosa and it was <laughs> neck and neck in my mind, I'll go to Kosa as well. So sure. we'll make okay. Kosa, our fourth pick. And then like, we don't even have to really have too much of a conversation before break here. Like, I mean that as, as far as what I'm doing at, what are we at five? Yeah. We're at number five now. Oh, great. We're 20 minutes and we're at five. Um, I, I'm going to go with, uh, with, with Sandine Palika right behind Kosa. So we yeah. don't really have to do too much of a conversation. There. Yeah. I mean, Sandine Palika has an incredible offensive upside as a defender. He can really yeah. drive rushes. He can really quarterback power plays. He's going to be a great, I think, second pair defenseman ceiling in the NHL. Uh, number five, he was neck and neck with Sebastian Kosa, and we're going to Kosa with four. It's pretty obvious to go with. Yeah, uh, I, I think as far as like play style, not necessarily that he'll, you know, I'm not saying that he'll be this good, but like as far as play style goes, um, 
like when you watch Ghost Despair this season down in like the second pair and watch what he does to drive offenses. I think that's, um, again, just pure play style, kind of a peek into the future of what he could be. All right, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to try and pump out five more guys in one segment. So uh, stay tuned. It's going to be a doozy. Locked on Red Wings. Segment three, Locked on Red Wings podcast. Uh, we have the top five prospects listed out. We're going to try and real quick just pop through our uh, bottom five. Uh, bottom five. Next five. Uh, number one was Simon Edmondson. Number two was Marco Casper. Three was Nate Danielson. Four was Sebastian Kosa. Five was Axel Sandin Pelica. And now we're going to be moving on to number six. Um, Scotty, I think it's my turn because I went first on four. Yeah, we kind of kind of like flubbed how like who was going first for the night. I think you. I think it's me actually because I think I technically went. Well, no, I'm going to make it you because like. You don't want to, you don't want this burden. Well, no, because five doesn't even count as you going first. That was just like by default, that was it. And I went first on four. So we'll just kind of mix it up. And yeah, so you go. I got four guys in my mind that I'm trying to rank. Same. Right yeah. Um, I think six through 10 is a bleep show. It's, if you're like ranking them, obviously not. I don't mean that in terms of talent at all, that there's a lot of talent still left in this organization. But as far as like ranking them, uh, it's, very difficult six through ten it, it is very difficult and i i guess if i'm going to talk about value and how close they are to like the nhl lever level lever um i i think i'm gonna go back defense again and Same. it's again now this is a neck and neck in my mind between albert johansson and william wallander, william wallander. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> i'm gonna go albert johansson I, because Albert Johansson would have gotten NHL minutes last season if he had not gotten hurt. Eisman said as much. Like he is borderline NHL ready. I think his ceiling is top four defenseman. Um, well, second pair defenseman to be specific, much like Axel Sandin Pelica, but he's looking like he's going to be a great left side D man. And he, again, he's just right on the cusp. I think that if there's room to make the roster, if he could, I think he could push for a roster spot this season in training camp. I, I mean, Eisman has said it like, if you if these players earn it, they're gonna get playing time. And I think even though that we have a full defensive core now, Eisenman's not afraid to push people out <laughs> to make room for better players. Yeah, I love Albert Johansson. Uh, this is, I mean, in terms of, uh, in terms of how much I, I don't know, like or like have hung my hat on like some of these prospects. He might be at the top of this list. This is the dude we've been talking about on here for a while. Um, he's, yeah, he, he's definitely, he's definitely six for me. Um, I think to your point, like he, he literally would have played in the NHL last year. Um, but I, I mean, especially just like projecting long-term the left side, I don't know, man, I think there's a path for him to like long-term and, and obviously talent and, and production trumps everything, but I think there is a path for him to be, uh, a, a top line defenseman on this team now again that's ceiling I'm, I'm not saying that that's a that's a guarantee or anything but um i i don't know I, I i don't think that that's like ridiculously impossible to think no i don't think so either uh we gotta keep it moving though move on to number seven uh where do you have wallander and wallander? it's yeah i i think i'm i'm pretty comfortable with that one um as well yeah i mean we've wallander's a uh an interesting figure in like the Red Wings community because he's been talked about for like three years now 
Uh, but because he's played so much in Europe and whatnot, there's not like uh, we're not seeing a ton of like daily whatever, like highlights or plays from him. But everybody's like, oh, yeah, like William Wallander, like he's one of the, you know, like higher ranked prospects in the organization. And now we're finally at a point where like we're seeing more and more of him, like whatever, just like a cross star, like Twitter feeds. And, and, and they talk about him more on the broadcast when they bring up prospects and whatnot. So. Uh, it's it's nice to finally have him go from like this mythical like being <laughs> that like we weren't even really sure existed to like actually seeing uh, like him play. But yeah, I mean, this this is rather similar conversation to Johansson as far as uh, like top end ability. Um, and yeah, I, I think ceiling is is rather similar as well. I think that there's some people that will have Wallander ahead of Johansson and, and vice versa. And I think that they're pretty, pretty close to each other in that regard. I mean, I remember when he was drafted, um, second day of the NHL draft taken early in the second round because 32nd overall in 2020, Red Wings had the first pick in that yeah. round. People were thinking Wallander could have gone in the first round and then he fell out. And he, like people like, this is a first round talent guy. You're getting at you know 32nd overall and i still stand by that i think again like you were saying second pair defensive ceiling like he he's gonna be a really good defender so i'm really excited plus i mean he's six foot four eisman loves his big guys that's yes, for damn does. sure i'm excited to see him like like truly get kind of like the training wheels off on north american ice that's like yeah. i'm i'm really pumped for that um and then keep it moving on to number eight, I think this is actually an easy one. Since I think this it. is a super easy one. This uh, might be the easiest one since number two for me. Are you going to say Carter Mazur? Because that's what I was I am going to say Carter Mazur. Carter Mazur, yep. Signed his eight, uh, ELC. He was pretty damn good uh, with the uh, Grand Rapids Griffins and the limited amount of time he got before the season was over last year. Uh, he is going to be... I think he, he could... Honestly, I honestly do believe he could push for a roster spot this season at training camp. I don't know if he'll really? get it, sure. but I think he's going to make a push. He was really good with Denver. He won a national championship in Denver. He signed an ELC with Grand Rapids, and then he was good with Grand Rapids in, like, the, what, two weeks he was there? And so I don't want to get, like, too excited about a kid who's, like, you know, just now coming to play professional hockey full-time, but he had six points in six games to end up the season last year, last year with Grand yeah. Rapids. That was his first ever pro games. So I'm, I think, appropriately hyped up for Carter Mazur. And I think him being eight on the list, I mean, you could make a, a case for him to be like six, if you ask me, yeah. because it's so tight in that, that grouping. Yeah, that's six to eight range, I think, is all really interchangeable. I agree with you. But yeah, no, I, I think we're, we're, it's an exciting time. Like, it really is. Not only just between, like, you know, the trade and, and what they did in free agency and whatnot, but all these prospects that for Iserman's tenure have been like building are now also a lot of them are finally like just outside an NHL roster and like are going to start again, not necessarily that they'll get it this year, but like are going to start pushing and like really uh, like making a case for, you know, just like showcasing their ability to be on like a low end NHL roster. And that's just super exciting to see this all come to, you know, like ahead at once. Yeah, absolutely. So we're at 27 minutes. We got two more guys. What's your number nine? Yeah, this is uh, this is an interesting one for me. I, I there's a few different ways I can go. I think I'm gonna go Cross Hannes. Really? Yeah, I really like Cross Hannes. That's surprising to me. He's not even on my list. Interesting. He he's like 
right outside it. I'm not sure. trying to like downplay Cross Hannes at all. Um, but here at nine, I was going to rank Elmer Soderblom. So that's interesting. I, not that I forgot about him, but the whole like thing last year with being in the NHL and then like going down, he does fit our criteria and I did not even consider him, but I'm totally fine with that. Cause I, if you're like, he is still a prospect, you're, you're correct. And I'm wrong. Um, and if you are, if you are filling him in there, then I think that that totally makes sense. Let me double check on that. I want to make sure he qualifies as a rookie this season. Cause if he doesn't, then he he's has excluded. To. He, he played 21 I, games. Yeah. He has to still qualify for rookie, but like he played enough at the beginning that I kind of didn't, uh, he didn't cross my mind on here, but yeah, that... they, they must not have more than 25 NHL games in any preceding season. There you go. So he played 21 criteria. He's just, just by just Isaiah barely Thomas meme. I fit the criteria, but I wasn't <laughs> on Scott's list. Like it's just really devastating. Um, yes. No, I, I, I'm totally fine with that. Okay. But if we're trying to negotiate who we're putting on our list, then are we going with, Cross Hannes, or are we going with Elmer Soderblom? What do you mean? Well, like, we're trying to find a definitive number nine between our two lists. And yeah, I'm totally fine with Elmer. Like, seriously, okay. I, I, it's not like I, like, ranked Hannes ahead of him. I didn't even consider Elmer because I just was like, oh, he played in the NHL for a while last year. That's fair. But he does fit our criteria, so I'm fine he, with it. He's such a unicorn, and honestly, I still don't know what his ceiling is because if he can master his size – like he could be a yeah. a threat. He could, yeah, absolutely. At, at this stage of his game, he's still kind of awkward. Uh yeah, he's like still easy just to knock into off, everything. Puck, off the puck and whatnot. So I, I think he could be a if he can basically utilize his size and get used to his right. size, he could be dangerous. So with 10, this is interesting to me because um I naturally then I would just go cross Hannes, but I know who you're putting at 10, and I also really want him on this list. So I'm okay with giving Hannes an honorable mention if you want to make Lombardi 10. Let's go! <laughs> you, you read my mind. I was going to put Lombardi there. I am so high on Lombardi. Signed his ELC, finished up the season with the Grand Rapids Griffins, much like uh, Carter Mazur did. And he was pretty good in those few games that he played. You know, he's got a lot to work on him being an undersized winger. I know when it comes to goal-scoring wingers, we talk all the time like they don't have to be huge. Um, but like, he's going to have to bulk up if he wants to play at the NHL level, but he was such a high score last year, uh, in the, in the OHL with the Flint Firebirds that, I mean, I would love to see him do that again, uh, with the Grand Rapids Griffins this year. Like if he can take a huge step this year and is just lights it up with Grand Rapids or even just like, it's pretty good with Grand Rapids. Mm -hmm. Then I'll have some faith that he can be an NHL caliber winger. And I, I love Amadeus Lombardi. I think he can be so good. I, I, it's, it's, uh, again, like when we're talking about like the 10th spot on this list, if he, he's not going to continue like the same level of production on it, obviously, but like if he goes and continues to just like set the world on fire at the AHL level, he is going to fly up this ranking. Like if you want to talk about like, you know, potential for quickest riser on this list, I think it's a hundred percent him just because if, we don't know how he's going to look like long-term at the AHL level. And, and we've already, we got a little bit of a taste now, but I'm super excited for what he can accomplish there. And if he continues the high production, he is going to go from 10 to like 
maybe even a borderline top five really quickly. Let's go. Uh, so yeah, there you have it, guys. Just to go through the list one Shout more time. Shout out Cross Annis, though, for real. Shout I really Cross like Annis. Cross Annis. He had a great year last year, I thought. Um, definitely not like a, gonna be like a bona fide goal scorer or anything, but um, kind of fits that bill of what Iserman has been drafting as far as forwards uh, over the last couple of years. And and like, if we're being honest, he probably should be on the list. Um, I feel like a lot of the reason why he's not on our list is because he got injured. Last year, he only managed to play yeah. 30 games of the AHL Grand Rapids Griffins, but I mean, he had 17 points in that time, which is pretty good for your first professional season. Right. And so, like, if we're being honest, he should be. We're kind of letting hype. Uh, I'm letting hype kind of trump cross Hannes right now. But, like, if he could just as easily be on this top 10, if you ask me. It's just, again, injuries, they screw you. Yeah, injuries. And, and honestly, like, uh, I mean, it was cited a lot uh, by some of the great beat writers over the year as well. But, when he was healthy, obviously, but, um, but yeah, I mean like this, this system is so like two way forward based. And I still think that, um, they're looking for him to like the offense you mentioned, it was pretty decent production, but I think that they're still kind of waiting for him to, uh, take some strides defensively as well. And I don't think they're just going to put a, you know, someone who's a liability defensively just on the Red Wings currently. I don't think that fits anybody's bill. So (laughs) we'll see, but yeah, I really like cross Annis a lot. Yeah, so they give you the top 10 one more time. Simon Edvinson, Marco Casper, Nate Danielson, Sebastian Kosa, uh, Axel Sandin Pelica, Albert Johansson, William Wallander, Carter Mazur, Elmer Soderblom, and Amadeus Lombardi. Special shout out to Cross Hannes. Didn't quite make the list, but could have very well made the list. Um, that's our list, guys. Let us know what you think in the comments, who you think that we ranked improperly, who you think we didn't rank at all that we should have, uh, and so on and so forth. Scotty, any final thoughts? We will. We do ball. We'll be back with a new episode. Well, no, we're on three episodes a week. So we'll be back with a new episode on Wednesday. There you go. Same time, same place. Did did you say we ball? I did. Every day. Every day. (laughs) 